0: I want to encourage people to pray. Um, that's why we're, Amen. We're continuing to talk about prayer on Saturdays, and um, it, you know, we we just really need to take the things of God seriously. Uh, many people are saying uh, the Lord is soon to come and judgment is, you know, all these things that people say, but their behavior never changes. They they don't pray more for the lost. They don't You know, go out and buy some tracts. Go online. There's so many ministries that print them professionally, and they're good tracts. If they have a salvation prayer at the end, that's a pretty good tract, if you ask me. And so there are so many ways that God has provided for us to be able to uh, get the gospel out and pray for the sick. Start understanding that that's what God expects you to do, not just walk past sick people all the time and and feel sorry for them and for yourself and all that stuff. You're, you're to get involved because people are ready to receive from God. Amen. Whenever God sends you out to do something, it's because somebody's ready to receive. So always keep that in mind. And also our broadcast, Strong Faith. Two days a week, Monday, tomorrow morning, no, Monday morning, day after tomorrow, 9 a.m., I always set my clock, and then something happens, and I oversleep, and I say, what happened to my clock? But anyway, can't blame the clock. And then Wednesday, for those of you who slept through Monday, Wednesday at 9 p.m., so that gets everybody, so praise God. Uh, ladies, the movie's gonna start in a minute, so if, you can finish surgery on that poor vacuum cleaner you know what i mean yeah we and everybody come in for the movie now you can't watch it if you're walking around running around is it going to be on this wall over here ladies okay so i'm going to move out of the way and yada yada um however i just want to uh uh introduce it briefly it it kind of self explanatory but uh, uh, Habakkuk 2, 1 is our scripture, our foundational scripture for the ministry. I will stand upon my watch. In fact, the whole second chapter of Habakkuk is for us. Uh, I will stand upon my watch, set me upon the tower, and watch to see what he will say to me. In other words, what's God going to tell me to do? Amen. And what I shall answer when I am reproved. So, how are you going to answer God when He, He's given you your assignment and He wants an answer? And I looked at that scripture and I said, Lord, I, we, we gotta answer, we gotta be, and He said, yeah, He said, I hold people accountable. He said, you know that from, from the Word. You know, you give an account, you stand before Jesus at that last day, uh, ours is not a judgment to to damnation but ours is a judgment as to how we spend our time down here and so god wants he's he's going to call everybody to account and so there was a a time where god said he wanted to for us to give an accounting of what the ministry had done thus far and so it came around the time of the 25th anniversary for us and he directed me to start collecting um testimonies, start collecting uh, understanding of interpretations about what had happened throughout the years, the assignments, specific assignments we have been given, how we carried those out, because God holds you accountable for what you do. Uh, ministers are held accountable for the sheep that, that are in their congregation. All of that. You as believers, you're, you're to go to, to your Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, other most part. We don't just come to church. You work for God. And, and I think more of us need to be more concerned about getting your assignment straight, making sure you carry out your assignment before God. And so he began to show me how how he wanted me to uh, give an accounting of what we had done and what we were doing with our time here. And so we decided at um, one of the conferences to um, uh, sum that up and do a presentation both to ministry people, because sometimes you just come all the time and you're faithful in what you do and you don't put it all together as to what's been accomplished. So it was good for us to see it. Uh, it was good for people who were visiting uh, during the conference to know exactly what the watchmen do and uh, to just show God, yeah, we, we are here. We're doing this. We believe it's acceptable to you. If not, correct us put us on the right track get us straightened out whatever needs to be done but until that time that that's what had been accomplished so i thought i would show that especially for people online who don't have an understanding exactly of the ministry and what we do and uh, for people who might be watching that that just aren't familiar with it and for us here who maybe forget or you were out doing your your whatever cooking food or something During the conference when it was shown. So that's why we film everything so we have a record of it so we can show it again. And so we're, we're gonna play it. If you ladies are ready, go ahead and get her started. And I hope my big head ain't in the way. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna move on the, in fact, I think I might go sit at my table.
1: Your into this forever. Lord, you are good. you are good. Your mercy forever. For people have been living, they serve people from China. Great. Sing it even see. We Hallelujah.
0: that God would get you involved in things that will change the course of history, change the world, change people, change cities and nations. Amen. And so I think it's an awesome privilege to pray. And I always encourage people that prayer is not as difficult as we think. I think it makes prayer easier. If you can join with other believers uh, and add your faith to theirs, you'll see great results. And so uh, without further ado, I'm going to, uh, we'll have one offering, that will be during the healing school, so we will uh, delay that until then. But I thought I just wanted to, to introduce this to you as a means of getting you to understand that God can help you to understand prayer, everybody can pray. Everybody should pray, but I think the call to prayer is something the body of Christ needs to take more seriously uh, and especially a call to watching prayer and committed prayer. Because if you can't commit to things, God really can't commit to you too well. And so, but hopefully you'll you'll find, and all of you are involved in this. Everybody who's in this ministry, you are all involved in this. So these are your prayers, and the effect that they have prayer. in the Some prayers the that we pray. Amen. We all right, take let's get started. more seriously, uh, and especially as close as your next prayer. Prayer is the
2: weapon that God has given His children to wage war in the heavenlies. Church of Jesus Christ, stop whining about the attacks on your life by the prince of darkness and put on the whole armor of God in Ephesians 6. Attack, attack, and then attack again, and then attack again, and crush Him, and drive Him out of your life. If it seems to be hopeless, pray, 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 because God answers prayer. Moses prayed, and the sun was arrested in its courses by the hand of God as Joshua crushed the enemies of Israel. Elijah prayed, and forked tongues of fire laced across the heavens and consumed the sacrifice soaked with 12 barrels of water. Hezekiah prayed, and I'm talking about Old Testament prayer right now. Hezekiah prayed, and 185,000 Assyrians that surrounded Jerusalem, promising to slaughter every Jew in the sacred city the next morning. Hezekiah rolled out the letter that General Sennacherib had sent to him. More his God and mocking the people of Israel. He pulled out his secret weapon, prayer. He laid that letter before the Lord and said, God, your honor is at stake. Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. Your word says, he that keepeth Israel neither slumbers nor sleep. And that night... The death angel from heaven came and swept through the camp of the Assyrians. He smote the sentry standing at his post. He smote the infantry slumbering in their tents. He smote the generals as they made their battle plans to destroy the sacred city. The next morning when Hezekiah looked over the sacred walls of the city of Jerusalem by the dawn's early light, he saw 185,000 dead men because the angel of God passed by that night. Why? Because one man knew how to pray. He stopped an army and turned the destiny of a nation around, and you can too because Satan is a defeated foe. Christ has given you the keys of death, hell and the grave. You are a child of God and the royal blood of heaven is flowing in your veins. You are destined to be more than a conqueror through Christ. Think like it, act like it and talk like it every day of your life and believe and believe that God can do the impossible. Jesus said my house shall be called a house of prey. If prayer. If you want power with God, learn to pray. If you don't know how to pray, you will never be successful. I have preached the gospel of Jesus Christ for 44 years. I have preached in football stadiums packed with 75 to 80,000 people. I have preached in the beautiful cathedrals of Rome. I have preached in the mud huts of third world nations. I have preached to millions of people around the world by radio and television. Why did it happen? It happened because my mother went to war with the devil for my soul in her prayer room. And the devil lost. She prayed me out of the fires of hell and into the gates of heaven. Prayer works. Try it.
0: We not only try prayer, we commit to it because we are called to prayer. The ministry of the Watchman began in 1987 in Cleveland, Ohio, in my living room. By 1990, we have moved out into a different venue ready to serve the public and draw people into prayer. It began with a vision in Habakkuk 2.2 to write the vision and make it plain upon tables that he who sees it may run with it. It has advanced over the years. Our Detroit chapter began in 1994. First, by opening venues in the Detroit area to the Spirit of God. We went to every major venue in this area to allow God's Spirit to reign We began to see other ministries come and have meetings there. Benny Hinn, Joyce Meyer, Morris Cirillo. They all began to have meetings in this city to bring the glory of God because God had called us to defeat the enemy, keeping the church hostage. Death is another enemy. God told us to defeat the spirit of assisted suicide and abortion. Assisted suicide fell. With the conviction of Dr. Jack Kevorkian for murder, when he began to go on television and murder people, God said, it is enough. We saw him incarcerated and later passed away after having done his time and being released through the mercy of God, perhaps to find the Lord. September 11, 2001, a day we all will never forget. War was declared against the United States by Muslim extremists. We are all astonished to see the damage done in just a few minutes. God gave us a strategy, a way to flood the earth with prayer of protection for our troops. Over 40,000 bookmarks of Psalm 91 were distributed to the military, to prayer groups, to anybody who was willing to pray, and anybody who was concerned about the safety of our men and women who are away fighting so that we at home could remain free. Saddam Hussein was arrested and his statue torn down by the people of Iraq. Iraq began its liberation on that day. We're excited to see that they were finally free from the tyranny of Muslim extremism. We continue to fight it until this day. Abortion was another enemy that God told us must be defeated. The devil is empowered by the shedding of innocent blood, but we will call an end to it. God is able to do a lot through our prayers, much more than you can ever imagine. It's a good thing to pray and not faint. Protesters and those who want to see the strategy fulfilled realize that if we take money from the places that do abortions, fewer will be done. The fight for life continues. Progress is being made slowly but surely. Finally, our government is taking a bold stand against abortion. We will see this evil eradicated from our society and from societies in the world.
3: I'm deeply humbled to stand before you today. Deeply humbled to be the first vice President of the United States to ever have the privilege to attend this historic gathering. Our founders wrote words that have echoed through the ages. They declared these truths to be self-evident, that we are, all of us, endowed by our Creator, with certain unalienable rights, and that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Forty-four years ago, our Supreme Court turned away from the first of these timeless ideals. But today, three generations hence, because of all of you and the many thousands who stand with us in marches like this all across The nation, life is winning again in America.
0: Regarding the sanctity of life, we pray for missing and exploited children worldwide. Since the early 90s, we've collected faces from posters, milk cartons, and we've made visuals to energize our prayers. The innocent faces began to speak to Pastor Shirley as she was going through the supermarket and God spoke to her to collect those pictures of those faces and begin to pray for those children to be returned safely to their loved one. Then in 2013, God brought a miracle safe return of three girls who were missing for over 10 years in Cleveland, Ohio. They were welcomed home not only by their family and friends, but the whole city of Cleveland rejoiced.
4: And now to the joyous homecoming.
1: You know, Gina's mom long said every time for the last nine years that one day Gina would walk through that front door. Well, guess what? Today she did. Amanda Berry and her family, who have suffered through the unthinkable for the past 10 years. A police motorcade parted crowds of cheering onlookers as Amanda finally arrived home Wednesday. Our camera caught a glimpse of Amanda inside this minivan as she pulled a blanket over her...
0: God spoke to me that a breakthrough in the heavenlies had released those souls. And he told me that there should be rejoicing in every city and to tell the city of Detroit to begin to rejoice. In 2013, we began our monthly Rejoice Detroit prayer meetings. At first, I thought we would pray just with a Detroit chapter, and then our friends Bishop Tony Russell, New Covenant of Peace Church, decided to join us. They partnered with us in prayer every month, and we gathered to pray, praise, and declare rejoicing over the city of Detroit. In spite of the destruction, Detroit began to rise. Part of the thrust of our prayer was to join and support spiritually what was being done in the natural through Bishop Tony and the MAN Network. The MAN Network has been extremely effective in protecting children in the Detroit-Osborne area.
5: MAN is an acronym for maintaining a neighborhood, MAN Network. The whole concept behind calling it the MAN Network is that we never uh, were in our thinking to just be a standalone organization, but uh, we were always willing to partner and collaborate and work together with other groups, in particularly patrol groups. So it is a network working together, MAN Network is again, maintaining a neighborhood, M-A-N. Now, one of the main things that we do is we drive around in our cars to keep children safe, kind of like angels night every day. But Angels Night, you know, we do Angels Night, and we drive around with our yellow lights on, and uh, we watch out for things, and particularly we try to uh, feed down arson and fires, etc. So uh, that's what we do every day for our children to keep our children safe. One day, they were driving down um, Lyndhursts Street, and um, they heard somebody said, help, help, he's trying to rape me. And uh, so they, you know, they stopped and they were driving by this garage. And the guy was
6: trying to rape her uh, in early in the morning. He um, lured her into the garage, snatched her as she was walking to school early that morning. It's broad daylight, snatched her in there and um, was attempting to rape her. Um, now, that that street, particularly in the morning time, was pretty busy, so... Uh, imagine cars driving past and not noticing it. Well, one of our patrol vehicles was out, just happened to be out, and I'm patrolling around that school zone.
5: And as my wife looked in the garage, she it looked like some people were fighting. And sure enough, this guy was like trying to rape this young lady. Um, she was a 13 year old student. We found out. So they like opened the door. She broke away. She was able to break away, tear away, and ran. And she got in the car.
6: And this is the um, the street that I was traveling on. I looked into the garage, and it just seemed like a young couple fighting. And I let down my window like this, and she started screaming, Help me, help me, he's trying to rape me. And when I focused in, you could tell that she had fought. Her book bag was on the um, ground, her jacket was on the ground, and she had on like a, um, a zip-up hoodie jacket underneath it, and it was half partially off. When she saw the light, it gave her strength to fight, so she had more strength to get away from him. So she started running towards us. And then she got in the car and we took her over to Fleming Elementary. In twenty
0: seventeen another breakthrough occurred. God began to move prayer and openness to God back into the Detroit school system. Got faith? Detroit does. Prayer in schools is back again.
5: Yeah. Now look at look at this here. It says God Faith. Yeah. Notice that Detroit Public School Community District Faith based counsel. Yes. And uh, what does it say on the back? I like this. We've got you covered. Yes. Ooh, glory Absolutely. to God. Yes, isn't, that, isn't that exciting, Val? It's yes.
6: amazing, you know, because for a long time we've been praying for our schools and believing God for um, that the Holy Ghost would just take over and that we would literally have, like, revivals break out, that the Holy Ghost would just overshadow the young people and, and that they would be baptized in the Holy Ghost and that the whole spirit of our school district would change. Yeah. So today um, we had the opportunity to be part of, like, the second convening. Of, of pastors in the city of Detroit and so we have a, a new um, superintendent his name was dr. VD and he has asked every church to adopt a school so it's 112 schools in our um, in the city of Detroit and each one of us are being asked to like to be kind of like a, a shepherd over the schools and over the students so that's that's huge so now we're being asked to take prayer. The church is asked to go back into the school, take prayer back into the school. So I think that's that is phenomenal for, um, because for a long time we've been praying that you know we will put um, prayer back in the school. So now we have the opportunity. So let's pray, people. Let's do our job and and pray with these young people and um, see the move of God that we've been praying for for such a long time.
5: Amen. Amen. So again, we're really excited about this and. there's so much of of the plans and works. There's a faith-based council, and um, Dr. Vitti is uh, asking each church to, as, as Val said, be to partner with the school, but mm-hmm. uh, then specific things. And what he said um, when he spoke to us today uh, was that he wants to make sure that students receive the things that they need yes. and, and they understand and different uh Board members, the board president, uh, different people spoke uh, to to really say that they understand yes. that yes. the importance of faith. And right. so, and so, yes. So, this yes. is an answer to prayer. Yes. So, let's just keep praying, let's yes. just keep believing, yes. and uh, thank God, and I love it.
0: We have seen our prayers reach all levels of government even to the highest level in this country, the White House.
2: As long as I am your president, no one is ever going to stop you from practicing your faith or from preaching what's in your heart. You must go forth into the world and turn your hopes and dreams into action. America has always been the land of dreams because America is a nation of true believers. When the pilgrims landed at Plymouth, they prayed. When the founders wrote the Declaration of, of Independence, they invoked our Creator four times. Because in America, we don't worship government, we worship God.
0: Law enforcement is receiving creativity in fighting crimes. Because God is the author of creativity.
4: Over the past 10 years, uh, the city of Detroit has gone through a number of challenges. The bankruptcy, uh, consent judgment, public perception was was certainly weak of, of how the city was progressing.
3: I knew that crime was a big issue here and that to fight crime and reduce crime that we had to look for other ways. We knew that at least 25% of our crime occurred in and around gas stations. If we could make our gas stations safe havens in neighborhoods, it would be an opportunity to change the culture here in Detroit of being desensitized to crime.
4: Since Chief Craig's arrival, you know we've been moving on a lot of initiatives. Greenlight is our most exciting. It's been well received by the community and we've had a lot of wins. At its basic stage, it's, it's a camera that picks up activity at a gas station. The police department has the ability to see what's happening, and that certainly uh, adds a layer of comfort to any citizen that's out uh, in, in the evening at a gas station. Now we're watching cameras. We're seeing the activities as they actually transpire. The officers at the councils are then notifying communications, and communications is dispatching that information to our officers on the street readily. I mean, as soon as it's happening. We use Command Central. We're 24 hours a day monitoring the city, crime hotspots, gas stations, party stores, restaurants, and we're looking for crime or suspicious activity that we could possibly interrupt. Uh, I think one of the most important things when you introduce new technology is ease of use, uh, being able to adapt the technology to common police practices, common everyday work without really making the the technology uh, a difficult learning process and I, I think one of the things that this technology has done is it's moved into the police department smoothly. It has had such an impact on not just our community and the, uh, the feeling of safety uh, but also with our officers. It used to be there was information communicated across the radio a description a height a weight and all of that is very subjective whereas video and images are very objective that question of identity no longer exists. We've got a platform that works. We have an organization with Motorola that's an industry standard, that's well-respected in law enforcement. So it's it's not an unknown commodity, it's a proven commodity. So it's exciting to see that technology marry with policing.
3: If we continue to use technology in this manner, Detroit will become one of the safest big cities in America.
4: It starts with being able to take your family downtown, take your family to a neighborhood in the city of Detroit, and feel safe. I think that these tools aid in that. If I feel safe, I'm going to visit the city. If I feel safe and I visit the city and I have a good experience, I'm going to tell the city's story. This is not the same police department that I started with 21 years ago. Still the same great people, but now we're fighting crime smarter, we're using technology, we're using our minds more than our muscle and we're constitutionally policing, using things that we never thought possible.
0: We have declared Detroit a revival city. Our declaration in the spirit is picked up by others in the natural. So have confidence in your prayers. It is time for you to rejoice, Detroit.
2: Motown, the Motor City. Detroit's had its time on top, and now, with hard work and people who believed and never gave up, our time has come again, because right now, in Detroit, it's Revival Time. (music) Innovation Time. your time. things you've heard about Detroit for yourself. It's time to see it, taste it, hear it, feel it, witness it, and believe it. This is Detroit. And we're here to tell you, it's go time.
0: So that's our story. Amen. Praise God. It's just good to see prayers answered and it's good to see. I want to thank Shannon Crowley for doing an excellent job putting that together. Amen. Amen. It's beautiful. It's excellent. Praise God. So just a few things to sum up. I want to encourage you to pray. Our story can be your story. It can be the story of any city uh, that that God puts on your heart that it needs change. And uh, the nice thing about our prayer manual, I'm not sure, we used to keep count about how many we've sold over the years, but it's up in the tens of thousands, I'm sure now, over the years we've sold that many. And those prayers, because they're the word, they can be adapted to any city, anywhere, any situation, anywhere. So I just want to encourage you to, when we talk about enlarging the border of our tent, Enlarge the borders of your prayer tent. Amen? Enlarge the borders of the way that you show concern for uh, the different things that are going on in society. Enlarge the borders of your mind to include more things that you can do for God, more things that you can do for the people of God, and more things that you can do uh, as a result of your prayers and how your prayers can affect things. I just want to mention a few things in my notes. Make sure I didn't didn't uh, forget, um, I was thinking about when uh, 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 Prophetess Kelly was speaking last night and she mentioned that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. Amen. And never think of your prayers as small or having a small impact. They can have a large impact. When I began praying, I, I started because I was involved in a women's Bible study. And I noticed that things that had bothered me for for several years, once it was committed to prayer, and especially corporate prayer, the prayers of the saints, I saw people come in with a major problem one week, and the next week there was a praise report. And that's what convinced me of the impact of prayer. And it doesn't take much to convince you that prayer is is, um, worthwhile, that it's effective, and so I decided to devote my life more to prayer, and I stayed with that Bible study for several years. Eventually, God began to speak to me, and I believe he speaks to people when they are faithful. He doesn't speak to unfaithful people to give them things more things to not do. But if you're a faithful person, that's why I encourage you, be, be faithful in the small things. Be faithful with your families your friends, your school, your children, your loved ones. And as God sees your faithfulness, he will expand that because it's easy to expand something that's already increasing and involved. It's hard to beat a dead horse and get it up to start moving. And so when we talk about prayer, start where you are and start in places that are, are difficult. Don't be afraid of the challenges and don't be overwhelmed at the task because God is so much greater than anything that we will ever face. And just remember in back of your prayer is a great big God who wants to do things and he wants to change things and he wants to help humanity. So God gave us a vision from Habakkuk 2.4 after my years of faithfulness in that uh, women's Bible study. He began to speak to me and he spoke to me uh, with a vision in Habakkuk 2. And I'll read some of that just to encourage you that God will speak to you and he will give you a greater assignment as you are faithful in the things that he has called you to. If your prayer life has has kind of leveled off and stagnated, um, it's encouraging to know that God will come along and encourage his servants. He always does. I can remember years when I thought, oh boy, here we go, same thing, same thing, over and over and over again. But repetition is necessary. I remember some uh, some of the uh, older saints, preachers like Norval Hayes. He said, the devil is deaf, dumb, blind, and crazy. You got to beat him over the head with the truth or he won't move. And so that always encouraged me to keep it up because it was being effective. Your faith will tell you it's effective. You don't need to have a bunch of uh, uh, signs and a bunch of things here and there, even though God knows how to encourage his people uh, when it's time to be encouraged. And so when God began to speak to me, it was because my heart was so given over in the love of God uh, to prayer. And I remember telling the Lord uh, he had healed me from a, a nervous breakdown, he had restored my marriage. He had done so many things, and, and uh, I was in one of those, uh, I call it a mood of foolish gratitude, uh, you know, where you say, God, just, just use me. I'll do anything. I don't care what, you know, and I said, I'll sweep floors. I'll do whatever, you know. Not that sweeping floors is bad. Don't get me wrong, but usually when people want something, they want to be in the in the front office. They want to be the CEO, and they don't even know how to open a, a door with a key, you know, but they want the key to the corner office, but I just felt so thankful at that time, and, and I prayed, and I told the Lord, I will do whatever you ask me to do. I remember some women in that prayer group uh, going to uh they said, Well, I was working at a shelter, and we made peanut butter sandwiches, and we need a lot of help. Anybody want to come? I shot my hand up in the in the air, and you know I was thinking about peanut butter souffle. You know, Give me no sandwiches. <laughs> I could do more than seven, but you know I was so willing to do whatever. And I was on my way there, and I stopped to speak to a friend, and God had me pray with her. She was uh, she was a lady that I had met, and she was working in her office. And down the street was a doctor's office, and some women got lost going into the doctor's office and came in there. And I wind up praying for them, and two of those women got born again, right there in that doctor's office. And amen. And, and God tell, told me, he said, I just wanted to see that you were willing, like you said, to do whatever I asked you to do. And on my way to do peanut butter sandwiches, he hijacked me into the ministry amen and so amen and he'll do that with all of us you know i'm sure you've all had that experience so but i just wanted to share from from the beginnings of things how things can start out very small and very humble and then god will increase them more and more so in habakkuk 2 and as i was praying i was i was asking god I said, well, God, I don't care what you tell me to do. I'll do anything and blah, 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 blah. But I did have a heart for prayer. I, and I was convinced that prayer was the answer to everything. Amen. If, if somebody was sick, I prayed. If somebody was in jail, I prayed. If somebody was doing good, I prayed. You know, all you just pray all the time. I remember one time my husband wasn't saved at the time. And he told me, he said, you pray more than the pastor. And I said, thank you. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it was like that was an answer to my prayer because I, you know, sometimes you don't know if you're being effective or not. And I said, I think I am doing the right job. God, you know, sometimes the people who aren't saved can be your thermometer, <laughs> your barometer as to how you're doing sometimes. But anyway, uh, God saved him, so it was a wonderful thing. But as I began to pray and ask God, what? Could I do? I said, What can I do for you, Jesus? You have done so much for me. And he said, I have a job for you to do. He said, And it's going to take commitment. He said, I'm giving you this job, but I cannot find many people who will study war. And he said, Study. Not pray until you get what you want and then quit. Or get a few names of a few devils and run off and call everything that devil. You know how folk do. They read somebody's this or watch somebody on TV and get a name they can drop somewhere and think they got it all. But he said, I want you to commit to this and study this, period. And so I told the Lord, I said, I'll do it. When he tells you he can't find many people too, that means he thinks you can just like Moses was one of a kind, amen, Joshua was one of a kind. Everybody who's called by God is one of a kind. There is no one like you to do what you can do. And so God wants us to understand how important it is to commit to it, to make it your life's work. I don't care if you have a full-time job. You, you don't have to be casual about anything that you do for God, amen. Many times people blame it on, well, you know, you were just at home being a housewife. I could have been working. I've got degrees. I've got papers. You know, hey, I could, I could function. I didn't want to, but, you know, amen. I, you know, when you're sold out to God, your heart's loving God, and you just want to do what he wants. I'd sit at God's feet all day long just waiting to hear what, give me my assignment. What What do I do? How do I do this? Show it to me. And so he took me to the second uh, chapter of Habakkuk. starts in verse 1. I will stand upon my watch, and that's the commitment of every watchman. Now, we have seen people come and go in this ministry. I always say sometimes people are not committed. Sometimes they, don't feel, they ain't feeling it. They're just here, or they have needs, or they're here temporarily for whatever reason. But I think once you're touched by this anointing, it is a permanent endowment in your life if you will receive it as that. People will tell me now they left the ministry 12 years. I'm still a watchman. Well, they felt the call at one time even though they're not functioning in it. That's what they're trying to express. Amen? Which, you know, it's not true. They're not doing with a job. You know, it's like saying I'm, I'm a limousine and just because you standing in your garage. If you're not functioning in that role, that's not what you are. That's what you're called to be, but you're not. It's important that you function in your call. That's what God, we want functioning people. We don't want people that are bragging about what they can do or what God told them to do. But we want results. And and you can see results. You will get results. You will always get results. Amen? Always. He says, I will stand upon my watch, set me upon the tower, and watch to see what he will say to me and what he shall answer when I am reproved. The Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain upon tables that he may run that reads it. And that's what prompted us to write the prayer manual. Uh, that prayer manual is written in the course of, I would say, Uh, six weeks complete because the Bible says that God will make you, your tongue as a pen of a ready writer. And there is that uh, ready writer's anointing that is on scribes, people who take notes from God and people who write things down. We all can lock into it. If you've written a book for God, you have the ready writer's anointing available to you. you. You can't sit there and think that stuff out and Go to your research books and pull here and pull there. When you get in the spirit of God, it flows. It just flows out of you. And so it's a good thing to rely on that because it aids and assists us uh, greatly in the work we're called to do. And so the prayer manual, having been completed, over the years, I've added a few prayers here and there, but the bulk of it was done. In, in a, it was about 50 different prayers in 50 different areas uh, within the course of six weeks. Who remembers the yellow card? Dina, you remember that. the yellow cards. <laughs> the dreaded yellow cards. <laughs> but that was what I had to work with, and we used those prayers and we prayed and we saw God move, didn't we? Amen. Praise God. Amen. We would pray for the leadership. We, you know, and it wasn't a secret what we were praying. We invited everybody to pray. But boy, they, people would change in a in a week. You know, it would be bad one Sunday, and the next Sunday everything was straightened out. And so God really did uh, confirm to us that He had given us those prayers and given us the vision. So the vision even as for a appointed time. And this is what'll get you sometimes is a time factor. I heard Fred Price say, uh, he said, once you pray and you accept that you've received it, you receive whatever it is when you prayed, time cannot be a factor anymore. He said, if you're going to receive from God Time cannot be a factor. And how many of us, you know how many of you know we fail that factor test every time? <laughs> when God win, how God, you know, try then start trying to help him do stuff. Amen. But you know, we repent, we get sober again and keep it rolling, amen. So and we knew that, that we would have to make it available for people to read. So we just put the scriptures down. Some of them are in confession form, some of them are in active form where you actively have to speak to the principalities and powers that are doing all the trouble, and so we found it to be a major effective for us. When I moved to Detroit, uh, God knew I was very reluctant to leave, so he had to show me something big to get done for him, for me to believe it was him, and that was the assisted suicide issue that was finally settled. And God gave me favor with um, people in the Oakland County um, court system. Uh, I called the prosecutor's office one time just because I felt led to do it, and I spoke to one of the assistant prosecutors, and I told her that I was just curious to know what progress they were making. She said, well, she said, it's not looking too good, but we have another plan. We think this will work. And she just talked to me like she knew me. She said, and if you are praying, please pray that we will get a murder indictment and it, it'll, it'll stick. And so I thanked her very much. And she thanked me that the last time I called any prosecutor's office. I don't like them just generally, you know, I don't roll in these circles. But anyway, I, I just felt, you know, of God to get some encouragement, some leading in how to pray. And so I knew that it was going to happen, amen, knew it was going to happen. I had an opportunity uh, when we well, when we first moved to Detroit. God did some really nice things for us. Like uh, we would, I would tell my husband, I said, we don't have no friends. Nobody loves us here, you know. And so, God would always give us a gift from somebody. And one time, he got a gift of uh, two tickets to go to a tasting dinner. You know, these little chefs get together and they cook a lot of different meals, and we're always interested in free food. So, <laughs> so we went. He said, ah, let's go and eat their free food. I said, cool, let's go. And so uh, we went there, and at the table sitting across from me was the Oakland County prosecutor. And um, you know what he said? He said, one day we'll consider Jack Kerborkian to be a genius. He's ahead of his time. And it just went through me. It's a good thing. <laughs> and my husband was he knew I would jump anybody. You know, he had see me jump people when I And so he he kinda got firm on the table, put his hand down like that, said don't say in other words, let me get another help and at least wait till after dessert before you go off on these people. But I was—I'm glad I met him. I'm glad I knew what he thought because I knew where the problem was. Amen. So for me, it wasn't the free food. I had the free food. Don't get me wrong, but it was a divine appointment to find out because it was a lot of prominent people there. You know, CEOs of the guy who owned—you uh, know—Manners Big Boy or Frisch's or whoever. That with the little red hair—he's a real person. He sat next to me, two seats over. Us. <laughs> See, he said, I know, I look just like that thing, don't I? I said, like, you really do. So, but um, but God, you know, he makes all, he'll create opportunities for you out of nowhere. Amen. To get, amen, get the understanding. Uh, that man's name is Carl Marlinga, and I have followed him. He, he has come down. Uh, he was last being sued. He was kicked out of office, I think. He couldn't run anymore. Anybody from, you familiar with that, Bishop Russell? Yeah. He's like a, a nobody these days, amen, because when God has a place for you and you don't do his will, he got no no need for you anymore. So he was replaced and, and uh, they got the indictment. You know, Jack Kervorkin was convicted of murder and uh, he did about 10 years. God let him out a little bit early because of his bad health. You know, his bad health didn't stop him from killing people. But uh, he w- went to obscurity. There was a thing God told me because I would pray, and it looked like nothing was going anywhere. And I said, "Well, God, why don't you kill him? He's an old man." You know, of course, we say that when we're not old as they are. But uh, uh, you know what I'm saying. And, and God told me, He said, "He said if I do that, He said that spirit will get in other people. He said I want to bring him down." and his idea down at the same time. Amen. So sometimes you kill the vessel and the devil just jumps in somebody else. You understand what I'm saying? But I saw people come out in protest that that I never knew existed before. There were people who had down syndrome. There were people who uh, were born with um, different disabilities. And they felt threatened. Their lives felt threatened because now somebody has the the authority or is trying to get the authority to end our lives because they don't think we're worth living. And so I saw there was God said, I have much people in the city. There are many people who are against this thing. And so that was a good thing to see. These are all encouraging signs. So when you feel like Things aren't moving quickly enough or whatever. God knows when you're getting weary. He knows when you're getting to the end of your faith in that realm. And He will always, it's Jesus' job to encourage your faith. It's His job to complete your faith. And so God is very, very uh, powerful in doing that. And so, and then in, in, in Habakkuk, uh, we read two, uh, one and two write the vision and make it plain. Anybody who reads it can run with it. The vision is for an appointed time. This is what you have to understand. It's not all, if if it happened instantly, it would be magic and not faith. Amen. So we walk by faith, not by magic, not by sight, not by what we want, but by faith. So if the vision is for an appointed time, at the end it will speak and not lie because it's God's word. When you pray God's word, that is your safety net you know it's going to come to pass. Amen? He says, though it tarry, wait for it. It will surely come. And he says in in verse 4, the just shall live by his faith. God has to have people down here believing things all the time because it's our faith that he uses to get an entry into the earth to do his will. And so then down in, in uh, uh, verse 14 this is the vision. This is the end result of our prayers. For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the seas. That's what God's after. And that's what we're after. I was blessed in that there were people who were at those first meetings who are still a part of this ministry. They, they You know, people have come and gone, but there's still a faithful core that helped me carry the vision. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Amen. I'm blessed that I have family members who are interested in the things of God. And I don't have to fight tooth and nail, you know, everybody and everything. Uh, the Dillards have been here like forever. Amen. They raised their children here. They were some of the first people. I remember Nola, at first she was after getting her husband back. Then when she got her husband back, she realized she liked prayer. Amen. It's as simple as that, really. It's just as simple as that. So God will put that vision in your heart. He will allow you to do the things He wants you to do. Miss Clydell was my first friend in uh, Detroit, and Mr. Gary came soon after. Amen. Miss Juana came. Miss Clydell dragged her in there one time. I saw the sweet little looking lady. Uh, with real long eyelashes, amen, but she was very sad, and so Miss Juana then began to get strength, and as she got stronger, she realized she had picked up the vision too, amen, and she wanted to, wanted to continue in the things of God. Chuck was always there, you know, Chuck always, <laughs> amen, Chuck always had a car, she was willing to take us from place to place in, amen. So we've been there uh, forever. Shannon Crowley came while we were still in Cleveland, amen, and then moved to Detroit after she finished Bible school. I don't want to leave anybody out. Oh, Avis. Avis was our hostage, right? Right. Avis had to go on punishment for a season. Her husband didn't believe in women preachers, so we let her kind of go on punishment for a little while, amen, amen. Amen. Miss Donna's been over here, Donna. Uh, 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 yeah, uh, Donna's been here like, what, over 20 years now, Miss Donna? Yeah. Amen. Amen. Got all kinds of old timers. Some of y'all been here before you were even thought of. Amen. You were just a vision in your parents' eyes. And the second generation is here. Amen. We're so thankful for all of you because I believe you have the vision. I believe you know what's coming, and I believe you're excited about what's going to come in our future in God. Amen. So stay with your prayer. Stay with the level where you're at. I encourage you to increase in your commitment to the Lord. I know you don't think you have more time to give, but I know if you give the first fruits to God, he'll multiply it back to you. Amen. Sometimes it's just a matter of making some minor adjustments, and then God will fill in that time and allow you to have a vision that will change your world, change your city, change your family, change everything that you pray about. Amen. Praise God. Amen. I'm done. We're going to take a break for a half hour.
1: Right, right.